if we can make those choices to say, I'm not going to do this today, and it can be something tiny, and then a little bit bigger the next day, and a little bit bigger the next day. I'm not saying that all of your listeners and anyone that I'm talking to, you all don't have to have the best day ever. But like for me, it took years and years and years to get to a point where it's like, why not? What's holding me back from having the best day of my life today? Inform, inspire, and evolve. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. Join host Lindsay Simons in a friendly conversation about contributing to good as we bring together community, positivity, and energy to the business of generosity. Welcome your host, Lindsay Simons. Hi, this is Lindsay Simons, your host of the Creating Community for Good podcast. The American system of education is outdated and even broken. The way we manage education has become a public debate for years now. This is no surprise. While other first world countries shift to more diverse models, here in the U.S., we maintain the standardized system of testing and teaching. It's clear that this isn't working for everyone. According to the National Center for Education Statistics and the Education Data Initiative, in 2019, there were 2 million student dropouts, 16 to 24-year-old students. That's a 5.1% rate. Plus, students from families in low socioeconomic status percentiles are five times more likely to drop out of high school. The situation has worsened, especially during COVID-19. From 19 to 22, public schools lost more than 1.1 million students. The health and economic crisis also affected students on their path to higher education. According to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, college enrollment in the U.S. dropped by around 560,000 students in the fall of 2020 compared to the fall of 2019. Among students from low-income high schools, enrollment dropped 29% to four-year colleges and 39% for community colleges. This is clearly an issue. So what are we doing with these young people today? My guest is Jordan Langer. While he's not creating a new education system, he is doing work every day to catch some of these students and reignite their passion for learning, creativity, and involvement. He's a wildly successful business entrepreneur and a high school dropout. As the founder of Nonplus Ultra, best known for hosting large-scale parties or conferences in a myriad of portfolio properties around the country, including my hometown, Denver, and where he's prolifically known in the Bay Area, Jordan works nearly 20-hour days most days. He's incredibly energized and passionate, but he still finds time to connect with the community. And I'm so grateful, Jordan. Thank you for taking time to connect with me. His desire to do something truly impactful for people is really what motivates his story. And he's the creator of Project Reckless in San Francisco. It's a capacity building development nonprofit organization centered around the restoration of badass old American classic cars. You are going to love what Project Reckless does. Check them out. I've got more info in the bio or just Google them and learn more about what they're doing, how you can get involved. It's a really, really non-traditional and fun organization that I had the pleasure of serving as a consultant as he was thinking about board development, 
major gift fundraising structure and strategy. So he and I have known each other for years and I'm delighted that he's here. We're going to dive deep, not really so much into the education system. And we are going to cover a bit on Project Reckless, but really what we're talking about is mentality and how he brings energy and positivity to his business, to his students in the nonprofit, and to how he manages teams. We talk a lot about what goes on for us personally and emotionally. It's a very authentic conversation between two friends, one that you can easily listen to while you're going for a walk or on a drive. You might want to take some notes, but it's really not as tactical as it is conversational. I hope you enjoy this episode as it's the first one of the new year in 2022. And if you're listening and it's way beyond that date, it's still a relevant and timeless conversation from what I can gather. For now, thank you for joining. Please subscribe, share this, and let's all do our best to engage as community members so we can all have a more fulfilled, satisfied, and engaging life. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. With the intention to inform, inspire, and evolve, let's go. Jordan, where is your heart and where do you come from? What's your story? Yeah, so... I come from a family of teachers. So my mom, two of my aunts, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my sister, all teachers. And I, being a dropout from school, teaching wasn't really an option for me. (laughs) So part of what centers me and what drives me and what pushes me is the ability to be able to give back in a meaningful way. And talking specific about Project Reckless, I can tell you the origin story and then back it up with the reason why it makes sense. The origin story of Project Reckless is I had this overwhelming feeling of wanting to do more, of wanting to do something that was truly impactful and not just another big party or another big event or another music festival or whatever it may be, but something that truly impacted people and impacted them for a long time. Ideally life-changing. And I racked my mind for months, what is this going to be? What is this thing? And I thought about what does my mother do? What does my aunt do? What does my grandmother do? What have they always done to improve this world? And it always kept on going back to youth and it kept on going back to want to being able to engage youth because if we can engage youth, we can solve almost all of the problems. You look at homelessness, you look at hunger, you look at so many of the issues that we're faced as a country right now. And a lot of those can be either completely avoided or stopped and redirected if you're able to catch those sorts of issues or the things that come about from those at an early age. So I centered in that I wanted to do something that was centered around youth. I figured out that that was the direction that I wanted to go. And then just kept on thinking, is it going to be something related to entertainment? Is it going to be something related to hospitality? Is it going to be something that I've done in my real career since I was 15 years old? And it just never sat right with it wasn't the right thing. And then one day at three o'clock in the morning, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was scrolling through, looking at buying another one of the stupid cars that I have. And that was it. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that was going to be able to educate youth. And we were going to use a car as the vehicle some pun intended, to be able to get us to a place to be able to teach these youth to become better people. And my through line, my heart, my feeling has always been about that in every for-profit business I've ever done, in any philanthropic endeavor that I've ever been involved with. It has been about truly making change and many times very focused in the youth sphere. 
We've supported homelessness. We've supported poverty. We've supported food, all of these sorts of things. But again, I kind of go back to if we can solve some problems and some crisis and some issues at a young age, then we're solving these things long term. And as a person, I don't like Band-Aid fixes. I like to be able to solve things. And my through line, like you asked, really was, is, and will always continue to be to be able to support the youth that are otherwise forgotten. You and I have talked about learning differences. You dropped out of school. What was it that caught you? You're a business mogul, have had tremendous success. I'd like to hear just a quick pitch on the actual MPU and company, just so that they can hear it from you, the audience. But also just to understand, just as you're trying to capture those kids who've dropped out or have different learning styles or have different role models or family structures, what is it that hooked you at that age that's now coming full circle as an adult who has the capacity? How did you get from not having it to having it? And then how are you contributing it again? My roadmap or my trajectory was always very based on relationship. And I still think it is today. And I I put a lot of value in the relationships that I have, that I create, that I help to create for other people. And that's no difference than when I was in high school. In high school, I was a dual high school sort of thing. So I was taking culinary classes. When I was in high school, my vision was to become a chef. And that was the direction that I wanted to go. And I utilized that skill of being able to cook. I was specifically focused on very fine art pastries. So like very delicious pastries. It was artistic and also really good. Salivating over here. What was your favorite pastry? Just as a side note. Oh, I am a cake lover. Oh, me too. I love moist cake, like white cake with vanilla icing. There's just nothing better in the world. How about some layers in that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would make these cakes or cookies or whatever it may be in these classes or at the bakery that I would be at. And I would bring them in every morning to our attendance lady, the woman at my school who would do attendance, to the point where we just started building this relationship for a a number of years. And then in my junior, senior year of high school, it got to the point where she would actually call me in the morning and say, hey, Jordan, are you coming into the school today? What time do you think you'll be in? Okay, I'll take care of it. And to me, that's the number one thing that I learned from high school was, sure, I might not know the 19th president of the United States, but I know someone who knows that. And I want to be able to build those relationships, build that network and build those people that I want to be around that they also want to be around me. So taking something where I despised going to school, I hated every single moment of it. But what I can look back at it now was my ability to build on my relationship skills, to build on something that is not taught, but can be picked up. And that's part of what I try and instill in, in our youth. It's all about mindset. It's about what we do as individuals, the decisions that we make. And it's our own decisions to be able to choose whichever direction we want to go. And having the confidence and ability to say, this is the decision that I made and not blame anyone else for that decision and keep on trying to push and push and push and push and go until you get to wherever it is that you want to be. Like I said, I try and instill that in our youth still to this day. I try and instill it in the staff. I try and instill it in the CFOs or people that I connect with that, sure, it's just a decision. And it's really, in my mind, it's really just that easy. Make a decision and power forward. Yeah. And have ownership over it. I heard you say that. And I think that it's sweet that you were bringing cakes to the attendance lady. Also, she was calling you to make sure you got your ass to school. Exactly. 
it was this win-win sort of relationship. That's good, yep. right? So there was some accountability. Yes, she was like, I need my cake and you need your education. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and and there would be days where I'm like, oh, I won't say her name. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I would say, oh, miss so-and-so, I'm not doing it today. She's like, okay, sweetie, I'll see you in a couple hours, get some rest. And it just worked in this sort of way that I was respectful. I got my work done. I got my homework done. It just wasn't me. It wasn't how I was going to thrive. It wasn't the learning environment for me. And you look at standardized schooling and standardized testing and, and the way that we look at things now, it's just a broken system or it doesn't work for everyone. Some people, it's phenomenal. My sister, phenomenal. She would be in school for the rest of her life. But for a lot of people, me being one of them with ADD, with shiny button syndrome, I call it, where I always want to do like, oh, that's way more important than what I'm doing right here. I look to be able to instill that in my day-to-day now. So the way that I set up my day is I don't do a ton of email. I don't do a ton of paperwork. I know where my limitations are. And I think that's also part of being focused on what your direction is, is knowing where I need to be able to bring in support. I can't keep my own calendar at this point because I double book and triple book. And it's just, my brain just doesn't work like that. So I've been fortunate enough to be able to have people around me and work for me and partner with me to be able to help support in the things where I need that extra little kick. I need that attendance lady saying, okay, yeah, this is the third day you're not coming in. You need to get here in 10 minutes, Jordan. I need that in my life. And just like a lot of youth or even adults need to be able to know what am I good at? What am I not great at? And be able to split that difference. Exactly. Okay. So tell me what the pitch is for Project Reckless. Let's say that we just met for the first time and we are not old friends and haven't worked together and that I'm cheering from the far, afar, always for you. (laughs) For the sake of the audience. Hi, audience again. I love it. Jordan, tell us what do we need to know about Project Reckless? So Project Reckless is a capacity development program that is centered around the restoration of old American classic cars. And we focus on, surprisingly, some of the most at-risk youth here in the Bay Area. When I say the most at-risk, that's a very broad term. In my mind, that doesn't mean the youth that have already dropped out of school. That doesn't mean folks that are pre-incarcerated. It certainly can But being at risk is such a huge word that we are open to most everyone. Some of our youth are considered too far gone for a lot of other programs because they don't want to go the trajectory of a GED. They don't want to go the trajectory of some other accreditation. They're just figuring it out. They're in a transitional age and they're trying to figure out what their next steps in life are. And we've worked with youth with mental illness, with PTSD, with that have prior incarceration or prior convictions. And if you really are able to strip down a lot of that and focus in on, we're going to take this car and we're going to take it from a rusty pile of bolts and we're going to turn it into an awesome show car. And we're going to teach you every step of the way on how to do that. We're layering in so many interesting and unique things and elements to that, that we have the car, which is a vehicle a vehicle that's going to get us to this transition. And that transition is your awareness of yourself. So we go in, we bring our youth into the program. It's about a year long. And we have anywhere between 12 and 16 youth in the program at any given time. And they're in there for a year. So unlike the amazing work that some of the bigger organizations, do, Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, we take a very, very, very narrow and deep approach. Like I said earlier, it was important to me to make meaningful, life-changing 
changes, help our youth make those changes for themselves. And the only way to do that is near one-on-one interaction. So the youth are in the program and they're able to learn seven different unique roles and responsibilities. One being how to use the tools, how to build the cars, which is that tangible experience, that tangible skill that they could go out and utilize to get a job, to change a tire on the side of the road, to save $100 to change their oil every six months, whatever that may be. And then there's the qualitative side of Project Reckless, which is we're going to learn human resources. We're going to learn accounting. We're going to learn these fundamental things. Because again, you look at another kind of broken system is getting your first job. You only apply for a job that says, oh, well, you need this much experience to get this job. Well, if no one's willing to hire me, how am I supposed to get that experience? And we try and take that year to be able to give them this wide berth of information, knowledge, and experience so that when they go for that first interview or they go back to school or whatever their outcome may be after the program, they're like, oh, yeah, I got that. No problem. I know how to do that. Yeah. Workforce development on the front, but on the back end, it's confidence, it's finesse, it's connection. Something I love about what I've always seen and what you do is it's about grit. It's about figuring out how to solve problems together. Even maybe more importantly, I'm not sure, but an angle that's really unique is that it's a physical component. So it's learning through doing rather than sitting and trying to memorize words on a page, which just does not work for everybody. Yep, exactly. And it's also that common denominator, that really cool thing that a lot of our youth, boys, girls, men, women, it's the celebrity that they really like drives a really cool car. The rapper that they like drives a really cool car. Or on the negative side, the corner drug dealer that they've idolized in their gang for the past seven years of their life drives that really cool car. So if we can say, yeah, yeah, it's cool, but you can build it. Imagine doing it yourself. Imagine turning the key the first time and that engine turns over and turns on, and then you press the gas and you drive away in something that you built yourself. So not only are you getting that sense of internal confidence, internal pride, internal, I did it, check the box, internal satisfaction, you're also getting the fruits of your labor right in front of you that you can sit in, drive in, and experience something that you did with your own two hands, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. I mean, the passion is there. I'm getting the chills just listening to you talk. I always have been motivated and inspired when I hear you. You identify something that you're bringing that you think works really well for you that others could learn from as they're listening. I'll take that in a couple sections here. So on the bottle energy, that's something that I really, I try and exude out. And I try and do it because it is something that Again, building that relationship. I always make the joke that it's very difficult to be mad at someone who smiles all the time. And I just constantly smile. It's just who I am. I have two little boys. I have a four-year-old and six-year-old. And I work with them, talk to them, teach them that being outward with your feelings, being outward with your emotions, being sad, happy, excited is such an amazing thing. There's negative connotation of like wearing your heart on your sleeve. Why? If I'm happy, I want everyone to know I'm happy. If I'm angry, people are going to know that I'm angry. (laughs) Subway slowly. Yeah, exactly. Just walk away. It's an important thing for people to be able to have confidence. And for me, I think that my confidence in what I talk about and in what I do 
that's part of how it's able to exude. I'm confident in Project Reckless, not because of our fundraising, not because of our ability, not because of our structure, not because of really anything other than seeing the youth in the shop and seeing the impact that a program like Project Reckless makes. That makes me confident. And that makes me want to shout from the rooftops and say, look at what's going on in this program. Look at what's going on in this organization. And very literally nothing to do with me. I had an idea. Cool. And we have a building and great. But what happens inside of that shop with our executive director, with our lead technician, with our community folks, we are changing lives. We are making people better. And that is what gives me that excitement. And anyone in the nonprofit sector, in my opinion, if they don't have that, they're doing the wrong thing. Find something that makes you want to get excited, that makes you want to stand up and talk about it. If I could focus all of my attention on Project Reckless, I would do it in a heartbeat. But reality being what it is, I need to have my for-profit company be able to then support my nonprofit company. And having that mixture of sister company is really beneficial for both the nonprofit and our for-profit entity. And that, again, I'm able to have confidence in that. I'm able to say, yeah, sure, we make money in this world, but we take a good chunk of it and we give it back to good organizations. We give it back to Project Reckless. We give it back to other folks that are doing good and impactful things. And when you're doing the right thing, when you're doing something that makes your heart feel good, why not let your heart sing? Why not let it come out of your mouth? That's how I talked. I don't talk from my brain. I have no idea what I'm going to say next. It just comes from right here. It just comes out of me. Oh, I love it. I couldn't agree more. I feel emotive. I feel like teary. I'm like, uh, yes, I love this. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't look at anything that I do as, as special. I don't look at anything that, that I involved with as anything that anyone shouldn't do. It's just the right way of doing things. It's the right way of running a for-profit business. It's the right way of doing nonprofit things. And you're right. I see a start and I see a finish and I see the fastest line that I can possibly get there. And that's my brain working. But again, I go back to folks like you, folks like Jen and Constance, my wife, to be able to help structure and be able to fill in some of those blocks or blanks that I miss in my straight line approach to the solution. But when it comes to talking and presenting, and I've been asked to go and talk in front of folks, and I oftentimes just say no, because I just, why, who am I? I don't matter. It doesn't matter. Get someone who's done real things. Get someone who's done impactful stuff. I help youth, and that is what's important to me. Could that be more real and impactful? Come on, stop. I mean, listen, I know you well enough to know, like I remember when we were doing a big event for Project Reckless and I said, yeah, you got to get up there and give a speech. Like, I don't need to do that. It's not about me. It's not about my face. And I said, well, you got to do it anyway. And you you kind of mustered through it. I don't know whether that was my idea or not. I'm not trying to take credit. I'm just saying that I remember the moment where you're like, this is not my thing. But I have to tell you that as much as you're not that ego man, that's what makes you so great is because we hear your heart when you talk. And that's why I wanted to talk with you is because I want for the energy that you have to bottle it up, contain it and sell it and make a profit off it. Just kidding. (laughs) No, I want to share that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because the authenticity is all what we really need right now. Really do need these conversations. That's what this podcast is about. It's really trying to have real connections so that people can feel uplifted. They can share in people's joy. They can understand how does somebody's brain work? Maybe I can pick a little bit from it. Maybe I can take a little bit of that idea of what's in your heart should be singing. 
I heard a friend of mine, Azam, I'll give the shout out to him. I can't wait to talk to him again soon, but we've been brainstorming and dreaming together. And he was talking about how important it is to be deliberate about your speech and imagine that every word that comes out of your mouth is actually a physical thing. So are you talking with flowers or a bright color or love? Are you throwing needles and darts? Are you shooting nails into the sky? Are you directing it at somebody? You know, how is what you're saying visualized into a tangible object? Once I heard that concept, I mean, I've always, of course, thought about, be conscious about how you're communicating, but we all say things we don't mean to. And the idea then is, okay, stop and visualize. What does that look like? What do my words look like? I like that. And something that I do with the for-profit side of the world is when we have conversations and talking to our clients, I work with our sales team and I say, if you're on the phone, if you're on a Zoom, if you're in person, smile, just smile because it is impossible to talk angrily as you smile. It's just physically impossible. You come across more excited. You come across more engaged. And it's somewhat similar, right? Those words that come out of our mouth, they have meaning. They have meaning as the words that we say them, but how our inflection comes about, how, how we point them. And if we can be positive in that sort of environment, in that world, whomever it is that we're speaking to, I don't see any purpose for why we wouldn't. It's much more difficult to frown. It's much more difficult to get angry. Clearly, I'm still in the middle of San Francisco. To be able to then to just be happy and smile. And something about three years ago, I made probably maybe a little bit less, two and a half years ago, I made this very conscious decision that every day was going to be the best day of my life. And I wake up with that intention of today's going to be the best day of my life. And I'm not going racing all day long in, in race cars every day. I'm not doing anything necessarily different. It's that mindset of why shouldn't it be? Why can't it be? And again, I just kind of go back to the life that we choose to live, the decisions that we choose to make to help us go down the positive track, go down the negative track. And we have that control. And as a younger man, as an adolescent, I battled with mental illness. I battled with depression. I battled with suicide. And I didn't want to have that feeling anymore. I didn't want to have that overwhelming burden of anger and sadness that consumed my life. I worked my way through it in my teenage years into my early 20s and then was feeling great and still feel awesome. But it's something that we have to actively choose to make different. And that doesn't mean like there's doctors and medicine and supplements and all sorts of really good stuff. But a lot of it just comes from here and from here. And if we can make those choices to say, I'm not going to do this today, and it can be something tiny and then a little bit bigger the next day and a little bit bigger the next day. I'm not saying that all of your listeners and anyone that I'm talking to, you all don't have to have the best day ever. But like for me, it took years and years and years to get to a point where it's like, why not? What's holding me back from having the best day of my life today? Sure, I have shitty days. Yeah, for sure. But I can take those shitty days and I can still look at it and say, I learned something from this. And that's a good day. Yeah. Right. And that's what I try and instill every single day in our youth. I try and instill it in NPU, my, my for profit company, and my other bars, restaurants, nightclubs. Just let's think about things differently. Let's not get angry and upset and stuck in the problem. Look to the solution and power through it because the shittiness is not going to last forever. The outcome is something we will always remember. Yes, I love that. 
something that I think about in terms of how is today going to be the best day of my life is looking back at what I've lived through. And I did wake up today and I have everything I've already done in the past. And I feel gratitude. I feel, okay, I'm not in that moment anymore. And I've got that under my belt. If it was a bad thing, I'm out of that moment. It was a good thing. I can still remember it. So that's the backwards that instills gratitude. And then the forward, it's thinking about maximizing opportunities. So thinking about how can I create as many possible opportunities in the day ahead of me, in the situation ahead of me, in the conflict ahead of me. When I start seeing more opportunities or pathways, I start feeling a little bit lighter, a little bit liberated. I don't feel confined. I don't feel faded. I don't feel stuck. You're exactly right. You feel that lift being brought from you, right? Yeah. And it's your choice. You could just ruminate on it. And that's the burden. Yeah, I think that's what makes people so angry. I think that's one of the biggest causes of anger. It's fear. And fear comes from feeling stuck, feeling trapped, feeling disempowered, feeling voiceless, feeling stuck in your own head, stuck in your physical constraints, power constraints. And especially now you look at the world that we live in where it's the age of instant media and it is everything is thrown at us at every second of every day from the buses that are going by to the social media platforms to all of it. Like We're constantly comparing ourselves or a lot of people are constantly comparing themselves to others. And there's no point. Compare yourself to yourself. Did I get better today than I was yesterday? Am I better after this conversation? And if I'm not, What could I have done differently to better myself in this hour? And being able to realize that and understand that and really digest it and take away, even if it's the tiniest little grain, to be able to continually go with self-improvement is something that I work towards every day. There's somebody in my life that I'm thinking about who feels like he repeats the same problems and he gets really frustrated. He's like, gosh, you know, that's me doing this thing again. Hey, look, me too. Forget me saying that guy. It's me, right? (laughs) Okay, that guy, but also let me look in the mirror. I know Uh I do that too. I'm like, God, that is just the worst part of me. I always do that. And, you know, then I get feedback about it. And somebody says, you know, you kind of do this thing and blah, blah. I'm like, I know it's the worst. You know, (laughs) you're like going into the therapist's office, beating your head against the wall. I'm still doing the same damn thing. And and I guess it's incremental change. I don't know. I think it's change over time. But I guess it's like, like you said, looking at it and acknowledging it and feeling the pain and suffering of failure, even if it's like the littlest failure, like I should have said this instead of that. I should have contained this instead of done that. I should have shared this instead of done that. And I think as I reflect on my personal journey, that's something that I have to just say, okay, this is a big one for me. This is not something that I can wish away. This is not something that every day I can wake up and be like, I'm better now. I thought about that and I don't have that anymore. I think, okay, this is a known entity. So it's more so coming to dance with it and say, okay, I know that's me. Oh, that's me doing that thing again. That's me doing the same patterning. And how can I look at it through loving eyes or at least open eyes to again, maximize my opportunity and to neutralize the suffering of that self-deprecation. But if you look at it in, so similarly, right, we all have our things. And for me, one of those things is patience. I'm not a very patient person. I'm not an impatient person where it's like, my food is taking 30 seconds too long. I'm a very internally impatient person. I want results and I want them now with everything that I do. And that is a blessing and a curse. And how I look at like my impatience as, as an example is that impatience has helped me get to where I am today. 
It's pushed me. It's a driving factor. It gets me motivated because I want results. I want action. I want to do. I want to go. I want to make it happen. And I can also take that on the internal side where I see these things where it's like, I know I'm being impatient, but then I can be impatient about being impatient, if that makes any sense. So I work towards, okay, calm it down. This isn't a time that patience is needed in this instant. And I need to work with myself to say, cool, relax. When you look at Project Reckless, I get frustrated. You don't have this conversation. I thought going into a nonprofit, I was going to be able to pick up the phone, call 10 people, and I was going to have a couple million dollars in the bank ready to go. And I got very frustrated. I got very impatient. I said, what is going on to the point where I said, screw it. I'm going to fund it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put the money in to get the program to where I want it to be. So then it gets to a place where other people are going to be able to see the results that have been in my mind for the past six months, year, however long it's been. And harnessing that the negatives of my personality and utilizing them to the best benefit that I possibly can. That doesn't mean I still don't get angry. That doesn't mean I'm still like... It's shape-shifting. Yeah. Yeah. You're still human. Exactly. And being able to then go and take that impatience and harness it and take it. Some people have anger. Own it. Own your shit. Own your anger. Own your upset. But try and look at it and say, cool, I'm upset. I want to be upset about being upset. Utilize your weakness to make you stronger. And again, like we're talking about things that I talk about in Project Reckless fairly regularly, where it's like, use that anger. You're mad. But now you should be mad that you're getting so mad about something so stupid. And use that to get to yourself to be like, break it down. What happened? Why? What is this? And I use my impatience as that example for me. I still haven't changed. I still drive as fast and as hard as I possibly can. But I now know when it's like, now I'm just being irrationally impatient. Slow it down, calm it down and let things play out. Yeah. And some of that, the heated higher energies can be focused to execute. And some of those lower energies that are more mellow, more depressant, they can be used to find tenderness and to find empathy. And I think that if we start really making friends with our internal enemies, we can be better contributors to society. You're exactly right. Own the enemies, own our deficiencies as people, and we just become open and vulnerable. Why is being vulnerable a bad thing? I'll tell you anything that you want to know about me and all of your listeners. Cool, great. That's who I am. Okay, so the arc of this podcast really is about creating community for good. So what I hear through the beginning to this moment and from the moment I've met you, Jordan, it is all about relationships. And relationships create network. Network creates community. How would you define community? Mm, That's a great question. Community means a lot of different things to me. So on for-profit company, we do massive events. So everything from big music festivals to large corporate stuff and everything in between. But as part of that, I've integrated a little bit of a Robin Hood business model within it. We are able to generate revenue through hosting some of these bigger events But then we're able to give back in a really meaningful way to our local community. So as an example, we have we have spaces in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Denver, Seattle. And in every one of those, we have what's called a community benefits program. So these clients that come in and are going to do the next 
phone launch or the next new software that's going to revolutionize or the next social media platform or whatever it may be. We require them if they want to come in and utilize our really, really cool spaces to launch their product or their idea, we require them to participate in our community benefits program. And at first I was a little bit like, ooh, how's the reaction of this going to be? Are we going to lose business from it? Is it not going to be a good thing? And after now doing it for what, seven years, we get responses of, thank you so much for doing this. We just don't think about this kind of stuff. And you make it really easy for us to say, yeah, I want to do A, B, C, and D. These are the things that I want to do. And we always focus in directly on our local community. So an example, we had a client that did a hackathon. They were trying to solve a problem in their software. And they donated a thousand computers to the local school and then had some of their engineers actually come in and teach an engineering class. We had another organization that actually had all of the participants in the conference go and hand out blankets to folks who needed them during a really cold and rainy day here in San Francisco. We ask all of our clients that participate in the program not to just write a check because that's a reasonably easy thing to do for some of these multi-billion dollar companies. We ask them to really do something that is going to truly impact our local community. And that is kind of my overarching, like the company idea of community. On the personal side, community is anyone that I run into, is anyone that I can communicate with. I love having a big community. Oddly enough, I'm very much an introvert or like a homebody. I don't like going out. I don't like doing the dinners or the receptions or the this or the that. It's just, I've been running bars, restaurants, nightclubs since I was 15 years old. So to me, it's more of a work sort of thing. So that community, sure, that's there, but that feels a lot of those sorts of relationships feel very transactional to me, where it's like, cool, I want something from you and you probably want something from me. And great, that's a good relationship. We can build a community around that, but it's a transactional community. And like, I have a big one of those communities because again, being in business, it's what do you have? What do I have? How do we do that together? But the meaningful community is something that I'm now just starting to realize more and more And it came to me like bright as day of a few months ago when my older son, he's six, he's in a virtual school and it's an unbelievable school that's set up to be virtual. And he has classmates all around the country. And the school program that we got him into is all about truly learning. And this is a little bit diverging here a little bit, but it's all about learning. It's all about the true ability to learn rather than what we were talking about before, memorizing that 19th president. And so as in kindergarten, he was able to choose two passion projects. And the entire curriculum for him as an individual is centered around those two passion projects. He chose wolves and he chose snakes. So they learned math through A snake has this many scales, this many scales plus this. So their mind is opened up to truly want to learn because they're learning something that they want to learn rather than three plus three is six. They're learning a snake has one tongue and two eyes. That's three and a tail and a, you get where I'm going with it. That plus that is six over the summer. We made it an intention of ours to have our son go and do play dates with some of these kids and watching them from being on a computer for a year to meeting each other for the very first time, how incredibly seamless and wonderful and amazing that experience was. And to me, that is the truest and purest form of community. These kids don't really know that much about each other. 
they know that my son likes snakes and he likes wolves. And they talk and they're friendly on for the few hours a day that they're interfacing on this. But then when they get together, they've created this community amongst each other that is so wholesome and pure and kind. And that's inspired me to look at the community that I want to circle myself around. There's all of these things all over the internet these days. Circle yourself with people who are going to make you better and surround yourselves with only people who push you harder. Screw all of that. Surround yourself with people who are like-minded and who care and who are genuine. Yeah. And generous. Exactly. And be able to give you that sense of, I belong. I'm with the right people. That's something that I'm working towards now to, to continue to build my community of, of people and not network. I don't want anything from them. They don't want anything from me other than just saying hi. And it's that resonance, right? So I think it's finding that moment that's intangible where you feel like I'm connected to this person and I care about this person. And even if you've met that person for one hour, I'm connected. I care about this person. I want this person. And I want to continue to have this person in my life some way, somehow. And like, that's an important part. I think that there's too much emphasis put on, I need everyone to be exactly like me in my community, my friend group. I need to only talk to billionaires if I want to become a billionaire. I've learned just as much from someone who doesn't have two nickels to run together as I have from billionaires. Take people for what they are and the experiences they have and create the community that makes you a better person holistically. Yeah. So I'm seeing the community in many different, if you will, like a droplet in the water where there are a lot of ripple effects. You've got the business that is the for-profit where you're creating physically putting a space offering a space for people to come and connect with each other. Then you're offering that bonus of giving those individuals a chance to connect with other people outside of that network of their business and doing something of service, not just the money, although the money I'm sure is also welcomed, but it's the service which generates that feeling of service generates generosity. Generosity creates joyfulness. So there is a community element there of finding community outside of your core nucleus, going to the next layer out, the people around you, people who are not expecting it, being offering something that is of service. Then translating that into the nonprofit where you're not only offering something, but the kids are then in community. So then every, you know, for the rest of their lives, they'll remember this year of figuring out how to put together a car and that they were there. And that one person blew up that one time, that one person grabbed my lunch that next time. And thank goodness for that buddy who like gave me a pat on the back when I really needed to hear it. And that's community. We actually have a role in Project Reckless, one of those seven unique roles and responsibilities that we have. One of them is the community manager. So their role for a period of time is to go out and build community external from the shop. So talking to people and talking about the program, and that builds such a crazy level of confidence. That's my favorite one in the, in the program, because they're going out and having to talk to people and having to talk to the police, which maybe they've had really bad interaction with the police in the past. They've had to talk to other youth where there's like, I don't talk to people like that. What are you talking about? Well, we do in this instance, and it just starts opening up their minds to like, oh, community is not a bad thing. It's a really great thing, right? Totally. Yeah, I love that. I think that's an awesome idea. And I think that even that's a takeaway for anybody listening that you could say, okay, what if I put on the hat of being a community manager today? Figure out, first of all, who is your community? Second of all, figure out what does a community manager do? I think it's about getting out of your own comfort, getting out of your own way and figuring out how are you offering something of value to others? 
I talk a lot about, you know, finding a common connection, leading with curiosity and offering something of value. And those are the three core elements to finding community. And that's just something that I observed during my podcasting in the last year. If you were to pause and reflect on this experience, like you talked about earlier, that you hopefully got something out of it or you learned, hey, I want to do things differently. I want to spend my time differently. What would you say as a reflection on this type of conversation or this conversation? I see conversations like this for me to help me hone in on the importance of what I do and trying to prioritize what's truly important. And now after we've been chatting for a little bit, I look back and I can reflect and say, this is something that is really good for me. I'm sorry if the listeners hate what I have to say and are just like, who is this guy just rambling on here? But for me, it, it's something that's like, okay, what is truly important? Project Reckless is truly important. Sure. NPU is truly important. Awesome. But what is truly, truly, truly important, the thing that is at the very, very top of that list is doing things that I'm passionate about. And the ability for me to, to take this time with you or you to, to take the time with me and have me on here, it has given me a sense of reflection or a sense of confidence or a sense of meaning and purpose as to why I had this conversation and why I'm doing what it is that I'm doing. Because I can just get caught up. I get caught up in this, 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 this. I'd never have a chance to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, that Project Reckless is cool. And there's some stuff that we do. And being able to take that step back, have the conversation with you, and really for internally and, and personally say, as we were talking, I thought, I need to take 15 minutes out of my day. And I need to just focus on whatever it is that I want to focus on. If it's Project Reckless, if it's thinking about cars, that 15-minute break of just whatever I'm passionate about in that moment. Yes. And like self-joy, like activating the joy in yourself. Okay. So thank you for being so just blunt and real because <laughs> I think that's so fair. Part of who I am. <laughs> yep. And I love that. So if you were to reflect and say, what were the key nuggets of what you shared today? For me is re-solidifying the choices that we all have on a daily basis. And those choices can either lead us positive or can lead us negative. And especially, I would think that a fair amount of your listeners are in the nonprofit sector or in the philanthropic world. It's really difficult. The work that we collectively do in the nonprofit sector is very difficult and oftentimes very thankless. And having that ability to choose, am I going to feel bad about what I'm doing because today was a shitty day? And I didn't get the results and that funding didn't come in or that youth blew up at me or, or fill in the blank of whatever causes that. Or am I going to take that same exact experience and look at how I can grow as a person from that, how I can grow my organization because of that experience, how I can grow my business, how I can become more profitable, how I can do all of these different sort of things to be able to look at each and every situation a little bit different. And I say that not because I'm awesome at it, not because I do it in every single thing. I say that because it's something that I continue to work on and I continue to push towards. And that nugget for me is super important, especially when I have days like today, weeks like this, months like this, or even the past year and a half. I think for other folks, the nugget or tidbit that I would like for people to get out of what I was saying, what we were talking about is go at things with energy. Energy will get back energy. 
And I wish I had more time to understand like the true energies and chakras and all of that kind of stuff, which is a whole, maybe that'll be my retirement reading. But for me, it's what's coming out. And you said it perfectly that the words that are coming out of our mouths have weight to them. Do we want them to float up to the sky or do we want them to fall to the bottom of the ocean? And take that as every word, every person that you interact with, why not be positive? Because that energy, that positive energy, I guarantee it, you will be met back with it. Maybe not every single time, but more often than not, when I'm saying, hey, how are you? People don't know who I am. They look like, who, what? And then it's like, no, how? I just, just hi. Like, oh, hi. Hey, go take it aback. And as a society, we need more of that. The days of our heads and our phones and not caring what the other person says or looks like, it's crazy. Let's say hi to each other. Let's be okay with breaking out of our comfort zone and exuding the positive energy that's all inside of all of us. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. And the chakra systems will tell you that you align where you're putting out. So whatever energy you're emanating, that's where you'll have a natural alignment. So the more that you're resonating with that higher frequency, the more you're going to get it back. Likeness attracts likeness. Okay, so my last question for you is, if anybody who's listening, if they wanted to offer you something, what do you want? What do you need? How can we help you? Oh, wow. I love partnership. That's my favorite thing. And a true partnership is a way to elevate individuals, to elevate companies, to bring others up together rather than that transactional deal where it's like, I'm going to get something, you're going to get something, we're going to go our our two separate ways. Partnership is really, really important to me. So with Project Reckless, what sort of partnership? Is there other organization that could use some support from us and we could use some support from them? I don't have any exact specific, but the ability to really start creating that community and creating that community of solid partners is something that I'm always looking for. On the for-profit side of the world, similarly, How can we support the communities that people are in? How can we do things as an organization to be able to build more community, to be able to partner with different people or organizations or folks to really be able to grow this community, this network of do-gooders? Because there needs to be more of that. And you look at the corruption and the greed and everything that is just portrayed in every moment of every day, we need to just do more good. And if I can find more like-minded people to partner with, to be able to have that same sense of importance in doing good, I would love to do it. Yeah. Okay. So where can people find you and give you that, say, if somebody's listening and you're like, okay, I'm a corporation and I have a big retreat coming up. I want to go to Jordan and use one of his facilities. That's a way that you could have a partnership. Another way, if you're a nonprofit and you say, hey, I want to teach some of these critical life skills and I want to do an exchange. Maybe it's a program exchange. Maybe you do a program, like your kids go to one program or another. I don't know. I'm really riffing at this point. But whatever creative idea, if you're listening and you're a nonprofit or a for-profit, think about how could you interact with youth who are learning skills around development, soft skills, workforce development, car building leadership. And then for you, I mean, I guess it would be if you're listening and you're just like, God, I just love Jordan. And I'm, I understand why Lindsay forced him to do it. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Big shout out to Jen for not letting Jordan cancel on me. Totally. <laughs> then what would be like the kind of community that's not a transactional, but like a more heartfelt connection? Would you be open to somebody saying, I share your passion for moving fast and having an impact. This is what I'm doing. Or what would be the thing that you're interested in hearing from somebody about? Yeah. So on the Project Reckless side, open to all things, partnerships, shares, trades, people have cars that they want to donate, 
any and all of it. And that we can find projectreckless.org, reckless with a W, W R E C K L E S S, like a wrecker, like a car. You get kind of where it's all getting tied together here. Yes. And this will all be in the show notes. Oh, awesome. And then on the business side of it, my company name is Nonplus Ultra, so NPU Events. And if there's anyone that we can support, if it's company wanting to do some sort of event, or if it's a community organization that's been like, I've been trying to host a gala for years, and I just can't find a place who's willing to do it. We're the places that are willing to do it. We need to have flexibility on calendaring and blah, blah, blah. But like, I want to be able to do that. It's a very, very, very important. In fact, you just offered that to a friend of mine the other day. So thank you for that offering. There you go. Of course. It's very important to me because we have the space. Why not make it available to the folks who, who need to do it, who are going out and doing something really good? That doesn't mean I'm going to say yes to everyone's weddings and, and all that. But if there's a cause that's important and meaningful to me and to what we stand for as an organization, we will always do it. And how do they find, who's the right person to reach out to for that, Jordan? At npuevents.com. That's kind of where it all comes in. Reach out to there or feel free to reach out to Shannon. So Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N at NPUevents.com. She's our general manager here in the San Francisco market. If we're starting to talk about other places in the country, et cetera, et cetera, events is a really good place. And then on the personal side of connection, if we just want to talk, awesome. Reach out to you, reach out to Lindsay, and I'm more than happy to be connected with anyone. It might take me a little bit to schedule with my 20-hour workdays, but I'm happy to get it in. And I love just chatting with people to see how we can build better, build something that we need as a society. We need to focus more attention on doing more good. I'm super grateful of you having me on today. Thank you. It was really enjoyable. And it's a really good example of taking the time out for things that are truly important. And this is the important one. What you do is truly important. What Project Reckless does is truly important. And the ability that you gave for me for the past hour or so to be able to talk about it, I'm very grateful for. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your beauty with all of us and letting your heart sing during this time and taking the time. And I hope that I see you soon. And truly from the bottom of my heart, I just, I really, really appreciate you as a human, as a soul. And thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do and for the time you you shared. The feeling is very mutual. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode with Jordan Langer. I am thrilled to be here as your host of Creating Community for Good podcast. This is my passion and a hobby. What I do for a living is consulting. I work with nonprofits focusing on major capital campaigns as a director and advisor. I assemble volunteers as a strategist and advisor as well. And I do board trainings. I do trainings with healthcare, education, environment. I'm very engaged in my community. And I hope that if you are looking for somebody to support your organization, that you'll think of me. And if I can't help you, then I'm sure to have some friends who can. I've got a vast network, including my experience with CCS fundraising. It's been around for 75 years and really, really making some big changes these days, especially around DEI and free resources, which I'm happy to shout out. If you like what you heard today, please let me know. Send a message on LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm most active. Or write a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me to increase the visibility of the show. I'm grateful that the show has been continuing on and has received a few good accolades recently. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, forward. If you're curious about a topic or like to be a guest, please let me know. Let's connect at creatingcommunityforgood.com. Shine on. 
With this latest valuable episode, we'd love to thank you for joining us on the Creating Community for Good podcast. If you found today's show valuable, simply visit our website, creatingcommunityforgood.com to leave a review as well as to get access to additional resources and relevant links from this show. Stay tuned for more episodes.